Welcome to Harvest Beyond Sunday, a podcast that seeks to inform and equip the members of Harvest Church, as well as celebrate what God is doing in and through our bodies. Today we're going to discuss a topic. It's kind of the uh, probably the boogeyman of spiritual disciplines. Uh, it is one that uh, many believers, uh, most believers, probably avoid uh, interacting with, and that is evangelism. You know, no Christian, I'm pretty sure, I wouldn't say maybe uh, every Christian, but most Christians would say that they don't evangelize as much as they should. Yeah, 80% of our listeners just hit next on the podcast list. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It, it, it Look, it's a struggle for all of us. Let's admit that on the front end. There's timidity. There's lack of boldness. There's all those things. But there is a ton of joy, and we are commanded as we're going to look at it. So I'm excited about diving into this one. It's going to challenge me personally as well. Yeah, you know, Wes, it, it's interesting when you talk about evangelism and the call to be an evangelist uh, among in your spheres of influence, um, you do get a lot of eye dropping and foot shuffling anxiety and leg shaking anxiety. And so um, I just want to uh, off the top here, just say, you know, don't hit next. Uh, don't pause and wait till next week. Give this episode a listen. I think you will find it very encouraging as a believer uh, who desires uh, hopefully to share your faith with others uh, in real and tangible ways uh, that that may be different than the way you've initially or originally thought of evangelism, uh, uh, the process of that looking like. And so let's let's start with a definition of evangelism. And this is what Donald Whitney, uh, who wrote Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, uh, how he defines evangelism. He said, evangelism is presenting Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to sinful people in order that they may come to put their trust in God through him, to receive him as their savior and to serve him as their king in the fellowship of his church. More concisely, evangelism is anyone faithfully relating the essential elements of God's salvation through Jesus Christ is evangelizing. And so we don't really need a lot of convincing that Jesus expects us to evangelize, but uh, just to convince us further, we'll read some scriptures that emphasize evangelism. Noah, why don't you get us started off with the Great Commission? So this is coming from Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Um, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a signature verse in our Bible. It's a signature verse for us as a church. When we teach this overseas, we we you know say the command is to make disciples, and then the the verbs... Uh, go, baptize, and teach are participles that support the command. And the baptize is the evangelism portion. So people often want to know, hey, do we evangelize or do we make disciples? And we'll say it's two sides of the same coin. Uh, We are to make disciples, and as a process of that, we evangelize. And so evangelism is introducing people to the triune God of the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. 
Mark 16, 15 uh, says, these are the words of Jesus, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So Jesus is calling his followers to go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Uh, don't hold back. Share the good news. And what we're reading here are the Great Commission passages, but not just Matthew 28. So this is Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 47. And this is Jesus speaking. It says, Then he opened their, this is the disciples, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So we see a couple of key elements here that repentance and forgiveness of sins is something that uh, should be uh, detailed in our gospel presentations. Um, a lot of uh, folks want to know, hey, how do I you know, evangelize my children? And one of the things I always tell them, I said, I said, what you are looking for to know if your kids are ready to believe in Jesus is if they are convicted over their sins. And so right there it says, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. And so, um, of course, evangelizing. And when people trust in Christ, they become a new creation, they get new life, they become citizens of heaven. And that is an key element of evangelism. That's a result of the gospel. But the first thing is we have to surrender to Jesus. We have to understand that we are sinners and we need to be saved by grace and we need to repent. Uh, So always include that element of repentance and forgiveness of sins in your evangelistic, um, you know, however you you share the gospel with someone in your evangelism. uh, Make sure you talk about, especially with your children, the conviction over sin. Then in John 20, 21, a very short verse here, but Jesus talks about um, how we are sent as he himself was sent by the Father. So picking up in 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And I love that verse because I think uh, it's, it's easy to believe this lie that when we go to do evangelism, we go alone. But that's not true. We go with the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And the disciples had this worry as well. In John 16, 7, Jesus says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go physically away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And so this should be encouraging to us because it was, uh, this is a fear that even the disciples had that if Jesus goes, then how do we go about doing this uh, without him? Well, Jesus tells his disciples, it's actually an advantage to you that I go because you are going to have the Holy Spirit with you at all times. And when you go into the world to share the good news, it's not your uh, responsibility that they come to faith. 
It's the Spirit's responsibility. You're just to be faithful. And so uh, I find that verse to be incredibly encouraging as a believer, knowing that I am not going alone. Yeah, and he, even at the end of the Great Commission, what does Jesus say? He says, I am with you to the very end of the age. You're like, oh, now wait a minute. Uh, do we have a contradiction here based on what you just read and what Jesus said in the in the Great Commission? Absolutely not. He is identifying himself as equal uh, in terms of uh, Trinitarian equality with the Holy Spirit. The, the, I mean, the, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God, three in one. And so if the Spirit is with you, Christ is also with you, and the Father is with you, and we abide in those three. And yeah, so you're not alone. He is with us till the very end of the age. The Holy Spirit is in us and empowering us and uh, goes before us into the hearts of men and women to prepare that, that soil. It's just our job to be obedient. So yeah, those are encouraging verses. Uh, the last one we'll read is is uh, one of my personal favorites, of course, as a missions pastor, and it's Acts 1-8. And these are, if you have a red letter Bible, until you get to the book of Revelation anyway, these are the last red letters in your Bible uh, of Jesus. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So it's not just that you're not alone. You're empo- we are empowered. And there is a certain, um, you know, power that we all can, uh, you know, harness out of ourselves and our jobs and different things. This is Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, power that is flowing in us and through us. And uh, let's not underestimate that power when we're sharing the gospel. And look, have I uh, shared the gospel and people have gone, "Uh, no, thank you? Absolutely. Was that uh, maybe bad methodology? Could have been. But at the same time, it wasn't like, oh, gosh, the Holy Spirit was, uh, there was no power there. You know, the Holy Spirit was not present in this conversation. Now, sometimes I think we can uh, fail to uh, really listen to the Holy Spirit, uh, but there's always power when we share the gospel. And it's important to note that these aren't just apostolic commands. Uh, We are talking about Jesus Christ here in Memphis, Tennessee, in the United States, um, 2,023 years ago after his resurrection. And uh, that is because uh, missionaries, uh, people traveled across the globe to share the good news. And so it's important as believers that we take this seriously, um, that we could play a part in the gospel reaching unreached parts of the world uh, and helping people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ uh, and helping them grow in their faith. And so uh, just know that this isn't a call just to the guys who follow Jesus in person. These are uh, calls to every single one of us who uh, claims to be a follower of Christ. You know, there are people who are, you know, gifted as evangelists. And you, you've heard Ronnie Stevens talk about this on Sunday mornings, um, that there are, are, and you've heard us talk about this uh, in our uh, Spiritual Gifts podcast. There are people who are definitely gifted as evangelists. They have uh, just a, a special knack uh, for introducing people to Jesus Christ and helping them uh, grow in their faith. But it's important to note that everyone, every believer, is called to evangelize. Maybe not all of us are are gifted as evangelists, but every one of us is called to evangelize. Consider these words. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, 
But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You know, part of what Peter wanted us to see is that, yes, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And because of that, we are to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. And so uh, we don't want to just sit there and pat ourselves on, a ba- on our back because uh, of, of who uh, God has, uh, that God has chosen us, that he's um, indwelled us, but he's chosen us and indwelled us so that we may go and proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. Yeah, my favorite analogies, we use this a lot overseas. It always gets a good laugh. But when we, again, we talk about uh, baptizing in the name of the Father and the the Holy Spirit, we say if we didn't have a purpose in this life, that when we uh, dunked someone in the water, if there was no purpose for us, it'd be best for us to just hold them under the water and send them straight on to heaven. Like, right, what's the point of living if we're, if we're, uh, if the only goal is to get our ticket into heaven. But no, the Lord wants to use us. He He wants uh, to make us a new creation, conform us to the image of His Son, and then have us be His witnesses so we can proclaim the excellencies of Christ uh, around the globe. So there is a, there's a purpose. If you're ever wondering, you know, like, uh, and, and I've struggled with this in my life, struggled with my identity and my purpose in life, your purpose is a kingdom ambassador. You always have that. If you have a job that you just kind of don't love, if you have a, a house or a neighborhood or it's, you know, whatever, it's even easy to be discontent about things in life. Like this is something you can always fall back on. Like I have a kingdom purpose to share and proclaim the excellencies of Christ. And there are many different ways to do that. Uh, but you have that purpose, purpose as a follower of Christ. And so what a, what a beautiful thing. What a privilege mm-hmm. and an honor, right? He mm-hmm. doesn't have to use us. He wants to use us. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So good. All right. Let's now talk about five reasons we disobey the command to evangelize. And I think everyone will identify with one of these or all five of them. <laughs> and so uh, the first one is the thought that we need months of specialized training to witness effectively. <clears throat> Let me just stop here and and say that if you are a believer, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and have committed your life to following him all of your days, uh, you have more than enough knowledge uh, to share the gospel with somebody. If you have enough knowledge to come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have enough knowledge to share that uh, with somebody else. And so every believer has that in common. We don't have to have a master's of theology or uh, even uh, be uh, uh, be commissioned by downline. <laughs> we, we can share the good news because we know enough of the good news that it has uh, led to our life transformation that then we can go and uh, share that with someone else. So the thought of needing specialized training uh, to witness is is out the window, okay? We, we all know enough if you're a believer in Jesus Christ to share the good news. However, uh, we also have no excuse to receive specialized training, right? Especially here at Harvest Church, where we have a great relationship with Downline Ministries. 
And maybe you're in a season of life where you can uh, commit to nine months of uh, biblical discipleship training through Downline, uh, and I would encourage you to do that. Um, it, it, every Harvest staff person goes through the Downline training. Many of our members have gone through it. It is incredible uh, and, and top-notch, and so I would encourage you to consider doing that. Um, but also, think about all the resources around us that are free. You know, you come to Sunday morning here at Harvest, and you hear great teaching and preaching. Uh, we, we have this podcast. Um, there are uh, countless podcasts <laughs> uh, at your fingertips that you can listen to and receive training uh, from some of the best teachers uh, of the Bible. And not only that, if you go to many seminaries, I know Dallas Theological Seminary, I'll plug them real quick. Uh, they offer free classes um, that you can take, that you can sign up for, um, that will train you. You can take, I think, Romans, uh, which would be a huge class uh, for anyone looking to share the gospel to take. And you can take it for free. And it's a seminary class. Yeah, I love all those resources you just mentioned. There is a, a plethora of resources out there and trainings and apps you can get on your phone and but never forget that one of the greatest resources you have is your personal testimony. And, and, and that's what this, this first, um, reason kind of highlights is that, uh, you don't necessarily have to have all that specialized training, although I think you should pursue it over time. But when we record those baptism videos here at Harvest, we simply say, Hey, tell us about your life before you met Christ. Tell us a little bit about how you met Christ and how your life is different. And so you can just simply think about those three key elements and share the testimony of how Jesus Christ has changed your life and opened the eyes of your heart. And that is a powerful enough uh, a testimony and evangelism tool uh, to convince other people, if nothing else. And, and of course, the way you live your life. If you tell them, hey, Jesus has changed my life, and, and of course, you don't look any different, <laughs> then uh, then uh, that may be a challenge. But that's a different that's a different podcast discussion. Yeah, which leads to the second reason uh, that we disobey the command to evangelize is that we fear that people will think we are strange and reject us. And Wes, I love what you just said, uh, because I think, you know, oftentimes we, we get insecure, maybe on our based on our own knowledge of the scriptures. And um, and maybe there's a coworker or someone at the gym or uh, a neighbor that uh, we know is, is pretty smart and intelligent and can challenge us and refute anything we might believe that because we don't understand, maybe we don't have the big picture of scripture yet. Um, and, and we think, man, they're going to think I'm such a weirdo. But here's one thing that they can't take away from you. Sure, they might be able to cast seeds of doubt um, and make you feel insecure, uh, but they cannot change what the Holy Spirit has done in your own life and how he has transformed you. And as Wes just shared, you know, your testimony lived out is really powerful. And, and we don't want to neglect that reality. And there are times that I am sharing the good news with a friend and they are looking at me like I am a total idiot. And maybe I'm not even sharing the good news, but they will say things around me uh, to go, man, you are wasting your time. <laughs> and there are times that even I myself are going, man, do I really believe all this? <laughs> you know, Is this for real? Um, but there's one thing that uh, they can't take away from me uh, and that they can't deny is the life transformation I've experienced uh, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they cannot uh, take that away whatsoever. And one of the best resources 
that I've ever read on evangelism. It's it's less about um, specific scriptures and and methodology and training. It's more of a paradigm shift. Is and so we fear that people will think we're strange and will reject us. We also fear: Do I know enough? And, 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 you know, if they have to ask me those hard questions, I'm not going to be able to answer them. Well, number one, always go, you know what? That's a great question. Um, well, let me do a little research. I, I appreciate you asking that. That's a good challenging question for me and my faith. I'll get back to you. But a book that you should write down, we'll include it in the show notes, is a book by uh, uh, Gregory Kokel. It's called Tactics, A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. And what he says is that we need to also have a paradigm shift where we need to be the ones also asking questions for them to provide a defense for why they don't believe in the scriptures or for why they believe in what they believe in. And oftentimes they really can't answer their questions, those hard questions either. And so it's not a debate. He, he's very clear about that. This is all done in love and, and in just conversation and, and people are not a project, but, um, oftentimes you can help people kind of question, well, you know what? I don't, I don't know why I believe that. I guess I just do. Uh, and, and then, and then somewhere in the conversation, you'll find a commonality in something they love or appreciate about humanity and, and there'll be a bridge straight to Jesus. And I, I use this a lot on airplanes when I'm traveling. Uh, somebody will say something about what they value in life and I go, you know what? Jesus values the exact same thing and I'll show them in the scriptures and they'll go, well, huh, I didn't, I, I guess I never knew that. And you just go from there. But having people also provide a defense for their faith is a big deal. So go check out that book. Mm-hmm. And then the third reason we disobey the command to evangelize is that we don't like the method we are often asked to use. And so I think a lot of us get intimidated because when you think of evangelism, you think of going to the park or the mall and approaching strangers and talking them to them about Jesus. Um, or, uh, but there's also other ways. There's relational evangelism. Uh, it's building relationship with a coworker uh, with the hope of sharing the good news with them. That's a little less intimidating and probably the direction which I, I'm steered towards. Wes, talk to us a little bit about that, the methods we're asked to use and, and maybe give people some options here. Yeah. So my, one of my seminary professors in our personal evangelism class used to say that my bad method of evangelism is better than your no method of evangelism. Um, so I do think there's some tactics and some approaches that, uh, can maybe be a little bit more loving and a little more, um, you know, jovial, jovial and, and approachable. Uh, I don't love, you know, the people that shout at me in a park, um, or at a, in a public place that I'm going to hell. You know, they sometimes are standing on a street light or whatever. But I guess it's better than saying nothing at times, but there are a variety of methods. So obviously, uh, randomly, uh, not really randomly, but publicly handing out gospel tracts or setting them in bathrooms or various ways in parks of just scattering seed, like you're broadcasting seed. Like if you're sowing a, a food plot or planting a, a farm and you've got one of those seed spreaders, you're sowing grass seed in your yard or whatever it is, you can just, you, you just put the seed in the bag and you turn the handle and it just broadcasts seed out. That's a, that's a very kind of broadcast method. And we're going to include also in the um, in the show notes a link 
to a guy who did this in Europe. I just learned about this 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 story of this guy, so I can't take any credit. My buddy Michael Carroll, shout out to you, Michael, uh, illuminated me to this this guy in Europe who. Um, that's all he did was he handed out gospel tracts from his storefront. Um, I don't even remember the name of the town, but we'll include it in the um, in the show notes, a link uh, for you to hear just a, a little bit about his testimony and his story. It's very powerful. And that's all he did was just hand out gospel tracts. So that's one method. And then you mentioned the relational method. This is where I like to live and breathe. Um, it makes me a little uncomfortable to be the broadcast seed sower, although I will do it. And I'm growing in that endeavor. But I just love building relationships with people, with my neighbors, coworkers, family, friends, and just having pleasant conversations. Um, again, when I you know sit on an airplane, you can quickly tell if somebody wants to talk to you about anything at all or nothing at all. And and I'm always so thankful when I have a conversationalist because uh, I just get the several hours to build a relationship with them, learn about what's on their heart, learn where they are in life, and then try to you know bridge the conversation towards Christ and the gospel. Um, and so relational evangelism, sometimes that happens over a short period of time on an airplane or, you know, uh, um, or it could happen over a long period of time with your neighbor. But it's just being friendly with folks with the intent of presenting them to the, you know, a testimony about your faith in Jesus Christ. Um, a couple other things you can do is you can you can have your little two minute speech. You can uh, go to the three circle evangelism approach where you uh, talk to people very quickly in two or three minutes about what the gospel actually is, what the plan of salvation actually is, what God's plan in the Bible is. Um, a silly method that I got is I got a, I did a tattoo on my arm on the arm that I handshake with, so that uh, and it's in. Uh, clear English writing. It's not like in a foreign language no one can read, and I'll shake somebody's hand, and, and this happened to me yesterday. In fact, they were like, what does no other name mean? And I got to tell them quickly about, hey, there's you know no other name except Jesus to be saved. And they're like, oh, huh. And now they know where I stand, and I've got the opportunity to build a relationship with this guy over time. And just go from there. So, I don't. There, there's tons of methods of sharing the gospel, uh, all the way from that far spectrum of sl- slow, like a crock pot, where you're slowly heating somebody up, and then there's the microwave approach, you know, where you're just handing someone a gospel track. But you got to be engaged in some form or method, um, no matter what works best for you. And people with the gift of evangelism use different approaches. Mm. And then the fourth reason we disobey the command to evangelize is that the seriousness of evangelism frightens us. We look at this as an eternal uh, matter that uh, we're going to share the good news with somebody and they are either going to accept the message we deliver or they're going to reject it. And if they reject it, they are doomed to uh, spend eternity separated from God in hell. Wes, how do we uh, uh, get past this idea of the seriousness of evangelism and, and allowing that to frighten us? That we we don't want that, uh, for lack of a better term, blood on our hands. I, I, honestly, I really um, th- this may sound kind of cheesy and cliche, but I think our hearts have got to be rooted and grounded in love. Yet yeah, there is an eternal destiny out there, and there is seriousness, and we. And there's a positive in this. It's, it sounds like you're thinking from a, an eternal perspective if the seriousness of evangelism frightens you. You're already thinking, well, 
you know, like I'm asking someone to, um, you know, make a decision for their eternal destiny. That And so that's, that's a good thing. Celebrate that you're even thinking in that paradigm. But, you know, we... If we love others the way Christ loved others, and it says they will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another, that's within the church, but also the community around you. Um, This is a loving thing that we're doing. Sometimes the most loving thing we can tell someone is the hardest truth, you know? And uh, and so I think this has to be rooted and grounded in love in our hearts. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great word, um, that we are doing this uh, out of love. The last reason, uh, number five, is that we disobey the command to evangelize because most of the time we come away from evangelism with a sense of failure. And naturally, as humans, we avoid activities we fail at. And this just reminds me of, uh, you know, my time with Young Life. We would take kids to camp every summer. And in my early days uh, as a Young Life staffer, uh, I was always discouraged um, by sometimes the response after camp of kids who came to know the Lord. And one day I remember uh, one of my leaders was just having a great time with kids, building relationships, having gospel conversations. And at the end of the week, no one in his cabin received Christ. And he was so discouraged. Uh, and I remember just seeing him, and I, I started talking to him. And I said, hey, man, what's, what's going on? And uh, he was just so uh, frustrated. You know, he thought he did everything. He felt like such a failure. Uh, and I just had to tell him, man, it's it's not your – it's your responsibility to share the message. It's God's responsibility for them to receive it. And you're just being faithful. And, uh, and when you understand that it gives you a little bit more freedom and it allows you to trust the Lord more, you know, John Piper talked about this. Um, I guess John Piper used to be a a hardcore Arminian and he, he changed to be a hardcore Calvinist and in his book, let the nations be glad. One of the things he talks about was he became a Calvinist because he realized when he was going on the missions field, he realized God was going before him and that his job, his responsibility was just be faithful and share the good news. And that God would uh, light that fire in someone's heart and soul. Um, and it was just his responsibility to share the good news. And so, um, uh, you know, as, as we are uh, sharing the good news, it's important to realize that it's not our responsibility to ensure that that person receives Christ. Uh, we trust, we entrust that to the Lord uh, to do that work in somebody uh, for us. All we can do is be faithful with the message which leads to our next topic of what is success in evangelism? And uh, is, is someone receiving the good news success or is it simply just sharing it? Are we failing if someone rejects our message? Well, consider these words from Mark 10. One day, Jesus shared the good news with somebody. Let's see what happens. Mark 10 Verses 21 through 22, it says this. And Jesus, this is the rich young ruler. um, Jesus has had a conversation with him. And uh, let me read this whole thing for us, starting in verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him, Jesus, and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him 
and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You know, uh, if our idea of success in evangelism is that someone receives your message, then Jesus is a failure at evangelism. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so important to know and remember that Jesus was rejected. I mean, he was was the son of God walking around, performing miracles, teaching in such a way that where the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the lawyers can't even refute what he's saying, and yet he was still rejected. Okay, so we're going to face rejection. We're going to face moments where people don't trust and believe, and Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. He is never going to ask you to do something that he himself has not experienced. And so uh, you just got to saddle up and ride. You got to put your boots on and and get after it and uh, be be kind of spiritually tough and just know that rejection is going to happen and and uh, failure from a worldly point of view is sometimes going to going to happen happen to jesus it's going to happen to us mm-hmm. absolutely and so sharing the gospel is successful evangelism only god can produce the fruit of evangelism think of the postal service they measure success by the careful and accurate delivery of mail not by the response of the recipient. If USPS puts mail in my mailbox uh, every day, but I fail to check my mailbox and someone drives by, opens it and takes my mail, uh, that's on me, not the USPS Postal Service. And so uh, they they measure success by the careful and accurate delivery of the message. And that's uh, what is success in evangelism, is that we are carefully and accurately delivering the message uh, of Jesus Christ. Yeah, go read Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Just go read that, and and Mm -hmm. that'll help clarify this a little bit more, too. Mm -hmm. The last thing we'll discuss in this section uh, is just living a life uh, openly devoted to Christ. Uh, You know, Steve Tucker used to say, declare early. Uh, When you meet somebody, uh, declare that you're a believer uh, early on in that relationship. Uh, That way, the the waters aren't muddied um, when uh, there's an opportunity to share the good news, Uh, that they already know you're a Christian. They see how you work. They see how you operate. They see how you engage with your family and friends and neighbors, uh, and they know that you are doing that in the name of Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death and to to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God and the sight of God, we speak in Christ. And so we are the aroma of Christ. And the most powerful ongoing Christian witness has always been the speaking of God's word by one who is living God's word. You got to get your stink on for Jesus, okay? Let's go. Let's smell good out there in the world. Smell, smell good, and uh, do it in a pleasing way. I, I love those verses. I just love it. And, and look, when you meet somebody that smells good, you notice it. You like being around somebody that smells good, <laughs> and so you just start smelling good for Jesus, okay? It's you can do this. 
The last thing we'll talk about on this episode is evangelism as a discipline. You know, obviously we're discussing spiritual disciplines for the Christian life, and evangelism is one of those disciplines. And when you think about it, evangelism, it should just be the natural outflow of the Christian life. Every Christian should be able to talk about what the Lord has done for him or her and what he means to him or her. Because of what Christ has done for us on the cross and, and has, how he has given us new life and life abundantly, uh, this should be something uh, as natural as breathing for the believer is to talk about what God has done through his son Jesus in our life. And so in order to have conversations with people about Jesus, we first must discipline ourselves to get into situations where evangelism can occur. I mean, I think that one of the easiest analogies that I can think of, specifically for, specifically for men, is how easy it is to talk about the Grizzlies or college football or, you know, ribs. I can discuss ribs and cooking meat with just about any human being on the planet Earth. And it's just natural. And, and, and so for you ladies, fill in the blanks. I don't know what that might be for, for y'all, but... We didn't start that journey of knowledge about sporting events or whatever, knowing everything. We've had to learn. We've had to grow. We spend time. We research it on ESPN or whatever it is. And and so this is a discipline. And if we want it to be a natural rhythm or a natural um, bridge in a conversation, then we have to be disciplined enough to actually practice it and make it normative in our lives. Yeah, and just one thought I had thinking about this. Um, I remember when we lived in Dallas, I went to this CrossFit gym. And, you know, if you've ever been to a CrossFit gym, it's a big class, you know, 15, 20, 30 people in a class. And, uh, you know, buddies kind of pair up, little groups here and there. And when I started going to this gym, I noticed that there was this guy that was always alone. And so after going for a week, uh, he was always setting up his barbell uh, about 15 or 20 feet away from everybody else. And and I noticed that no one ever really talked to him. And so I just made it a point to go set up shop next, right next to him and, and, and strike up conversation. And uh, after a week, two weeks, just getting to know him, talking to him, uh, he, he begins to get really interested in, in me and my life. And um, he was about to get engaged and his girlfriend was coming in town and she, she was going to move to Dallas and didn't have any friends. And he was like, Hey, can we hang out with y'all when she comes to town? And all of a sudden now here I am developing this relationship with an unbeliever, uh, just by simply setting up shop next, next to him, taking an interest in him, asking him about his life. And then, then he's, he's inviting himself over to our house. <laughs> And and then we we began to have this really sweet relationship with him, to the point where uh, we did some premarital counseling with him, and even some some uh, uh, counseling after they got married. And uh, and we were invited to be in their wedding, and so we had this great relationship with them uh, that otherwise wouldn't have happened if I had just uh, taken the the path of least resistance, right? It's easier to go and talk to the people that I naturally get along with at the gym. It's, it's easy to, uh, you know, avoid, you know, a conversation with a stranger. Uh, but when we put ourselves in those positions, uh, we'll be, you would be amazed at what God can do, uh, through 
consistency in uh, building a relationship with somebody that you don't know yet. Yeah, and the, and the truth is, we actually read this in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, that God has prepared works beforehand for us to do. And so the, the table's already set. We just have to discover them. Mm-hmm. So we have to have our radar uh, you know, open and pinging and looking for these gospel opportunities. So you saw you saw that guy and you looked for it and you you went for it. Uh, one of the strangest evangelism stories I have in my own personal life is one time. This is when we were living back in Knoxville. We were having trouble. We switched from uh, Comcast, which is uh, the best decision I ever did, to AT and T. But we dropped Comcast and and I was just chatting with a live person getting some help and something just compelled me to share Christ with her. So, uh, I, and I have the screenshot of it, but I just started sharing the gospel with her through the chat feature. And next mm-hmm. thing I know, she she confesses that she's now trusting and believing in Jesus Christ and like her whole world has changed. Yep. So if you just like the opportunities are there and mm-hmm. now I don't know, I've never met another person who did that and I'm not trying to pump myself up at all. The Lord just totally did that. Um, but if you just are bold enough and look for those opportunities, I mean, it's it's pretty simple and straightforward, uh, but you just have to be ready and willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with that buddy of mine, um, you know, Mallory developed a great relationship with his wife. I, I developed, a, obviously, a great relationship with him. And, you know, it was easier to invite them to church and to lunch after and have those discussions about, you know, the sermon and the service and uh, any and any questions they might have about the faith and, uh, and, and kind of create it so that when, you know, life happens and they're, you know, looking for someone to speak into their life, uh, they're going to the person that's invested in them. And so Mallory and I had many great conversations. Uh, and I, I don't know that they've come to truly know the Lord yet, but uh, we still have a relationship with them and keep up with them and uh, love them. So uh, just a lot of that relational evangelism that we we talked about earlier. Now, uh, and for us to develop this discipline, uh, we obviously have some objections. We talked about a few of those earlier, the first one being that we don't know enough. And again, I just want to reiterate that's that's false. If you know enough to be a Christian, you know enough to share the gospel, um, and well, and or at the very least, share your own testimony, your own story. And as believers, we should be building that habit and that ability to be able to share our story and and, and weave the gospel into that uh, with anybody that we meet with over coffee, lunch, you know, around the water cooler at the office. Uh, we should develop those habits of being able to just share our story uh, and, and therefore sharing the gospel. Um, another one is that we don't have enough time and, uh, our, uh, our schedules are full. Um, we are, you know, working 40 hours a week. Uh, we're trying to take care of our family, trying to take care of our, ourselves, um, to find time for evangelism, uh, can be a challenge. And, um, I would just invite you to, uh, consider ways that you can use the, you know, the time you have right now and the way you're spending it and see if there are any, um, evangelistic outlets that you can invest in, you know, thinking about, you know, going to the gym, you know, I guarantee you there are folks at your gym who don't know Jesus that you can reach out to and begin to build a relationship with them. You spend 40 hours a week at work. Um, There is someone at your office uh, that does not know Jesus. That's just waiting for someone um, to begin that relationship with them. 
Um, there's someone in your neighborhood walking around the neighborhood that you probably pass. If you go for walks often that, that you could strike up a conversation with and begin to have that conversation about Jesus. So, um, we have the time. It's just a matter of if we're using it wisely. Um, and, uh, it's, it's whether or not it's a priority for us. Yeah. This goes back. Let's go back to the great commission real quick. The, the first verb, that is mentioned is go. And when you look at that in the Greek, and we teach this in downline and, you know, around the globe, may be familiar to some of you, but what that means is as you are going. So as you're going, make disciples. And a part of making disciples is baptizing them, introducing them into the triune God of the Bible, and then also teaching them. And so just as you're going, whatever. So as, as you're doing whatever it is you do with your time, you can evangelize. Mm-hmm. And um, all, and like you said, we prioritize what is most important for us. We're in charge of a lot of our time. And and so anyway, just, yeah, we celebrate busyness in the, in the United States. But when you read the Gospels, Jesus was pretty busy, but he still had time to evangelize, still had time to pull away, pray to his father, do different things. He carved out time to preach the good news of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So let's just, you know, one thing I would say, don't overthink this. You know, again, we kind of think I have to go to Shelby Farms. I've got to go to the mall. I've got to pound the pavement. I've got to talk to strangers. What are areas of your life right now in your normal rhythm that you can use to share the gospel with somebody? Start the relationship, uh, build that trust, you know, work the time in there and so that you can share the truth with them. And so um, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Uh, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, you know, one verse that comes to mind thinking about that is Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, just a a personal story here that literally just came to mind. I remember being in Dallas uh, in seminary working full-time, and Mallory was working full-time and volunteering for me in my ministry. And, you know, our time was really strapped. We we didn't have a lot of spare time. And, um, you know, we were at churches, at home groups and opportunities, and it would just add another thing to our calendar and our schedule that we just— it was so hard to fit all the extracurricular activities we wanted to be a part of uh, into our schedule, but we still wanted to grow. And we wanted to grow with other folks um, and and help help people grow in their faith. And so, one of the things you know Mallory did was she started a Bible study in her workplace and uh, developed a relationship with some girls that were younger than her and a couple of girls that were older than her and. They would uh, meet uh, in the lobby of their office building uh, during their lunch hour once a week uh, or for coffee early one morning. Um, and once they kind of, if they, once they started changing jobs and they would study the word together. And it was one of those things. They were already at work. Uh, they were already spending time together. Uh, and they could get together during their lunch hour when you have to eat. Everyone has to eat. And they would begin to study the Word together. And then I was, you know, uh, going to the gym, and there was a, a Bible study uh, at the gym that a lot of guys were going to. And um, I decided to invest my time there where I could wake up early and uh, go to a Bible study with a bunch of guys I went to the gym with and um, develop those relationships that where if there's a guy there that doesn't go to church, uh, it was an easy invite. Hey, come to this Bible study with a bunch of guys you're working out with. And, um, 
um, and that was not intimidating for them. So just consider ways that you can make the best use of your time. I, I hear, I know, I know of two members right now, um, at our church that are prayerfully about to begin a Bible study in their neighborhood. And that's incredible. Guys that they live near, down the street from, um, they drive past their homes, they walk their dog past their house, <laughs> and it is a layup. And I am so excited for them because it's not just guys from our church that are that they're inviting. It is uh, all the guys in our neighborhood they're, they're extending the invitation to. And it's inspired me with just the relationships I've built with folks in my neighborhood to consider doing something like that. And so again, Easy layups, finding ways to make the best use of your time uh, so that you can uh, help others grow in their faith and uh, introduce others to Jesus Christ. Uh, layups, which then brings us to um, fulfilling the Great Commission. You know, the Great Commission, we read it at the top of this episode. Uh, it's a, obviously a, a heavy verse that we use a lot here at Harvest. Uh, and, you know, it can be fleshed out in multiple ways. Wes has talked about on this episode but the Great Commission is, is lived out uh, in, in three ways. The first is sharing the gospel with unbelievers and discipling them in the faith. Um, we are called as believers, as we've uh, uh, said in this episode, uh, to, to be uh, evangelists in our spheres of influence. Um, we are to share the gospel with unbelievers. And so that's the first way uh, that the Great Commission is fleshed out, is introducing others to Jesus Christ and helping them grow in their faith. The second way is raising children and the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah, I, I, as my kids are getting older and they are able to cognitively and emotionally process, um, you know, differently than they did when they were three, four, and five, I'm having to remind myself to preach the gospel to them regularly, remind them of what Christ has done and what the implications are. And so you're never really, and we believe both of our kids are saved now, praise the Lord, but you never stop preaching the gospel to them, never stop you know, showing them in the scriptures and talking the implications of the gospel and just sort of evangelizing their young hearts and minds as as, as they develop and grow. Uh, they're learning a ton in school. They're learning a ton about the world. They're learning things they see on television. And But I want Candace and I to be the strongest voice in their life of what they learn about Jesus. And of course, we got to model it, and you know, there's a whole... Um, there's a whole system here you got to put in play, and it's difficult, especially when you're tired, when your patience is strapped. Uh, but just keep raising them in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord, and just keep pointing them to Christ and keep opening the Scriptures to them and evangelizing those little hearts because, let me, let me just tell you, the enemy is trying to evangelize them in the other way. The world is trying to evangelize them in the other way, and if you don't step in and do it, um, you're you're in not just disobedient to the word, but you're in danger of your kids uh, falling away. And of course, you can't control what their hearts and minds are going to do, but you got to make those deposits, those evangelistic deposits, into their hearts mm. and minds. Yeah, for those of us with kids, it's it's tempting to say, "Man, uh, this is my priority right now," and it should be. Our kids are a priority to evangelize, to disciple, to raise up uh, in the instruction of the Lord, no doubt. But don't let that be your excuse to not evangelize to others or help others grow. 
I tell the guys I disciple our home group, not that I'm evangelizing to the guys I'm necessarily discipling or or our home group, but one of the greatest blessings they give my family is being at my house and letting my boys see them growing in their relationship with the Lord uh, from all stages of life, married, single, um, young, a little older, uh, growing. And I want my boys around so many guys like that uh, where they see them growing in their faith. Same is true with evangelism. If you're helping someone come to saving faith in Christ, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're having lost people in your house, not only are you growing in your ability to evangelize, but your kids are watching you build relationships with lost people in a healthy way and sharing the good news with them. This is so important. Howard Hendricks at uh, DTS, you've heard his name, I'm sure, before. But he say, if you're not replacing the family Bible with an ashtray, you're never, you're not doing evangelism. And I just love that, that if this picture of like having a lost person in your house, <laughs> taking the family Bible off the coffee table and putting the ashtray there, uh, and having, you know, uh, lost people in your home. Um, I, I, I just, I love that little picture. My wife keeps an ashtray next to her Bible all the time, all the time. but it's for herself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, I'd I'm kidding. probably need one too if I was married to you. Uh, <laughs> <A> solid burn. <laughs> I love um, it. I but, love it. Uh, but I love that. And um, Mallory and I try to be intentional with neighbors, and um, ha- we want to have them into our home. Um, and so our boys can interact with them and, um, and we have a couple across the street from us right now, uh, that are from a different country and they are incredibly hospitable and we, they just had a baby and Mallory took some, uh, brownies over to their house. And I thought it would be like this two minute drop off, come home. Mallory was there for about 25 minutes because they invited her into their home and like, and she came home with more than she took over there, you know? (laughs) And so, uh, being hospitable in your own home is uh, an incredible way to be evangelistic and um, an easy way uh, to be evangelistic. The last way that the Great Commission can be flushed out is supporting uh, a church and its missionaries financially. Wes, would you like to speak to that a little bit? Um, I know that you deal in this world a lot. Yeah, Harvest is uh, just a really wonderful place to work and be a part of. And, but I also, I think I have the best job here at Harvest as the missions pastor because folks are so generous. And not only that, the way we structure our budget is, is we are, it's our goal to have uh, 20% of our budget, anywhere from 10 to 20, we're closer to 20% going outside of our doors to support missions organizations, to support missionaries, to support the advancement of the gospel uh, through the strategy of disciple making as much as possible. So um, it is a blessing and a privilege to, um, alongside the missions committee, to steward those resources well. So and that's why we do the missions moments every week is to highlight, look, not just how you can be involved, but also to show you, hey, you know, when you give here, it, this is your dollars are being used to ad- advance the kingdom outside of these walls. And anytime you have an external focus in your heart, in your church, in your home, in your wallet, um, it's it's a healthy uh, rhythm in our lives. And so, um, just know that. And I'm, this is not a this is not a tithing podcast, but just know your dollars are being used well. And if you ever have any questions about it. Uh, yeah, just, you know, ask us, hey, how, how does that get used? We love sharing and bragging on 
uh, what we get to do with the dollars that are given here. And I, Wes, I love that uh, as, as a church, Harvest is passionate about uh, not just what's happening in our walls, but what's happening out in the, the community around us and the world. Um, and like you said, you know, when you give money uh, to Harvest, um, you, your, your dollar is reaching the nations and you're helping others fulfill the Great Commission where you can't. And that is so important as a believer. You know, when I was in the world of fundraising, um, it was always asking people to make an investment in the ministry. You know, you're investing in someone to go and share the gospel and help others grow in their faith. And while you might not be able to get into the walls of this high school or that middle school, uh, you can help send the people that are going to do that. And that's what we're doing here at Harvest is uh, we are sending and we are supporting and lifting up those around the globe that are in places that we will never go or never could go, uh, who have a voice in a community that we'll never have a voice in to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And so that's one of the ways that we support the Great Commission going forth across the globe. All right. Well, last thing, if you're looking for opportunities to evangelize, you will find them. Uh, if you don't discipline yourself to look for uh, ways to evangelize, then you will always, always have an excuse not to. Um, and we will be stagnant in our our, our faith um, and we'll never get that opportunity and that joy of seeing someone come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, as, as someone who has led uh, several people to Jesus Christ, it is so much fun to see this, someone go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. When you see the lights come on and uh, the joy fill their heart uh, and their life transformed, uh, it is such a blessing. And now uh, I'm at the the other side of, of this where it's really sweet because I, I've seen lost high schoolers uh, that were total boneheads come to know the Lord who are now loving husbands and loving fathers um, and, the, and, and raising kids to know the Lord. And that is so fun. And I, I want every believer to experience that. I'll end this episode with this story of a man who became a Christian uh, during an evangelistic emphasis in a city in the Pacific Northwest. And when he told his boss about it, his employer responded with, that's great. I am a Christian and have been praying for you for years. But the new believer was crestfallen. Why didn't you ever tell me you were a Christian? You were the very reason I have not been interested in the gospel all of these years. And the boss wondered, how can that be? I've done my very best to live the Christian life around you. And the employee explained, that's the point. You lived such a model life without telling me that it was Christ who made the difference. I convinced myself that if you could live such a good and happy life without Christ, then I could too. And so uh, let that just be a reminder to us all that uh, living the Christian life, uh, you can't just you can't just live it. You have to speak it. You have to share it. You have to open that door. Uh, and I would hate for many of the folks that uh, we interact with daily just think we've got it all together because we're good people or uh, we're just really nice. No, we want them to know that the reason why we have so much joy, so much life, and so much passion is because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And so, Harvest, let's share that good news with those around us. Next week, we will continue on in the fifth personal spiritual discipline of serving. While you're here, hit that subscribe button and share with your people.